the team, the gossip, the results. You're listening to The Blue Room on Radio City Talk 105.9. Good evening, welcome to The Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Peter McPartland. Joining us here by Matt Jones once again. Uh, there's only one place we can really start tonight, Matt. It is... Reflecting on last night's general meeting. In part two, we'll be looking back at Saturday's game against Aston Villa. And in the third part of the show, we'll be looking forward to this weekend's game against Bournemouth. But it is last night's general meeting. It is always a stormy affair, Matt. Um, There's always some kind of controversy. I thought last night was going to be quiet. I thought it was going to be respectable. I thought, you know, there was questions to be be answered. We already knew what the questions were. And then this... um, this this little hand grenade was thrown in <laughs> by Joe Anderson on Twitter, and uh, you know the next minute it's it's all going off. Basically, the chief executive Robert Elston, uh, it's he insisted that Everton were not going out with a begging bowl, uh, you know, he, to the local to the council. Basically, trying to trying to get this ground off, off you know off the ground <laughs> in Walton Old Park. Um, and then, you know, Joe Anderson basically comes out and says that, he said, I'm looking forward to the receiving the proposals, uh, the, pl- the, the receiving the planning and the financial proposals tomorrow, after basically Robert Elson had, had, had said that it was in the council's hands. We've done everything we can do. Uh, it's up to the council now to get this sorted, and then obviously Johansson takes to Twitter uh, and throws it back at back at him. Um, it would have been brilliant if someone could have brought that up at the meeting because it's still. I think it happened when the meeting was still going on. But you know, you look at this and you just think, where did he go from now? Because this was a year ago that this was brought up. Um, in the last general meeting, brought up regarding Walton Hall Park. It well, it was sort of leaked out of that. It came out of that meeting regarding it um, and you just wonder where it's going to go now because apparently they've been talking about it for a year nothing's really happening it doesn't seem to have gone anywhere the club certainly Robert Elson said that this is a great chance for Liverpool not a, not just a great chance for, for Everton as a club but a great chance for Liverpool as a city they should invest in this they should you know use this for to get jobs mm-hmm. infrastructure you know develop what's left of the park um, and it's it's up to them now. It's not really anything to do with Everton. We're just after your money. It's it's to do with the council. Um, I just wonder where they're going to go from this. Where the relationship goes from that. Well, completely the same boat as you. Really, it's um, it's quite concerning, really, because I think the the main issue that we all we often talk about when we when these sorts of things come up about Everton and, and how they're going to move forward and how they're going to get in line in, in the modern game is the stadium, and it's something that seems to have, have held us back for a while now. And I think Joe Anderson himself said that he was going to give an update on the the stadium a couple of months ago. It was it was said he said earlier in the year that we'd be getting a, a surefire update on the progress of the the project then, and the update was essentially was there is no update and the fact now that Everton and the council itself seem to be almost at odds in, in respect of Robert Elston saying that they had the plans they were all the owners with the council um, and the mayor completely contradicting that it just doesn't seem as though this is this is a viable option going forward the fact that Everton are, are trying to put the onus onto the council itself doesn't really sit totally right with me I think it's it's an issue that, that the club need to look at themselves and and in an, in an era of Premier League football which is a wash of money there's investment coming in from 
all angles, the, the TV deals coming in. It's something that Everton need to take upon themselves, really, and it seems as though the it's it's sort of been spun a little bit to try and make it seem as though the council are holding this back when the club, for a while now, have, have been exploring different options when it comes to the stadium, and unfortunately it seems as though we're, we're no closer to making any progress in, in any any particular avenue. Yeah, Robert Elton said that's part of, of that we were offered a deal that would be net positive contributor to the city, delivering economic benefits, social benefits, and indeed deri- delivering cash. We are Where we are now is that we need confirmation of the partnership terms that the stakeholders want to work to, and that is critical in making the next step forward. Uh, Mayor Anderson later issued a statement which read, I think that's an insult to me and the council. This is... This is a council that helped Everton by purchasing Finch Farm. We are trying to find a solution. So to say that we are not working in partnership is an insult. And I just I just find the whole thing astonishing because, once again, you know, this is Everton's third attempt to build a stadium. Once again, they are looking to a partner. Now, obviously, the last time in Kirby, they were looking to Tesco, a major retailer you know obviously they felt that was the right way to go but this time they're dealing with a local authority that really isn't awash with money yes we've seen the city council invest money into different things as mentioned there finch farm things that they could you know obviously purchase and then and then gain money back from either rent or or developing in the future um but you know an investment like this for for a stadium, for a 50,000 stadium, which Robert Elson said, you know, there's only been one made in the last um, t- 15 years, which is Arsenal. He also said Man City and West Ham have had a couple of nice gifts. That's, that's fair enough. Yeah. But for the council to invest so much money in something that is, is going to be... You can you can you can imagine the things that it's going to be tied up in, or you know, before it even gets off the ground. The fact that the it, they'll be looking to build on a park, park. There's already groups in there. Yes, yeah. starting protests against green space like that, in the so. city, and then you look, and then and then people will be asking the question: Why are we using money that the city doesn't have when people when libraries are being shut, when mm-hmm. people aren't getting the bins um, collected yeah. every single week? You know, when the city it's been projected on the next couple of years is going to get financially more and more worse off and yet Everton uh, sort of basically throwing it, throwing the book at them and saying well we've set this up now this is up to you to deliver this as far as I'm concerned it's not up to the city council to deliver it they, they've acted in good faith from what I can say and I've offered Everton land and it's up to Everton to close the deal and once again you know whether he says it, whether Robert Elson said that there hasn't been a bag and bowl. As far as I can see, it is Everton with a bag and yeah. bowl again. The figures that have come out regarding the finances, we're, there's only two clubs in the Premier League that have lost money, us and Manchester United. Now the reason Manchester United lost money because the massive downturn of not being in the Champions League and dropping to seventh place and not having any European football. We've lost money again. It seems through incompetence or deals that we t- that we did five or six years ago that was stuck mm. in and it, it shouldn't be up to anyone else but Everton Football Club is it there's no way Everton Football Club deserve any sympathy in this when they're a Premier League football club and you think of all the money mm. that is going to come that is, that is in the game and is going to be in the game and something that I've took from not only the stadium thing but, but from the whole thing is that 
Everton at the moment seem to be living in three years, three year cycles, and the three year cycle is simply because that's how much money they know they're going to get for the TV deal. Because that's the only way Everton seem to make any money is through Premier League TV money. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all because it's how long has this been going on for now? This issue and. The way that the the King's Dock fiasco, the Kirby fiasco, and now this, and it, it's being, I think Robert Elston described it as, as a game changer last night in the in the AGM. It, this this Walton Hall Park and, and the regeneration of North Liverpool will, will be a, a game changer for the club. But yeah. it seems pie in the sky at the moment, completely. And yeah. just, I, I still think the most viable option for Everton is going to be to redevelop Goodson Park. And it saddened me to read today that the club have only spent one and a half million pound in three years on. You know, I think we, we we talked about this early in the season, haven't we? How how tired the ground looks and how, you know, how outdated it is, and the fact that it, they're not even they don't even seem to be exploring that. I think he, he did touch upon it a little bit last night, but it was quite a, a, well, he, a dismissive. Not he really. basically said redeveloping Goodison Park would be the last option. He said that. Um, the park end could be developed. You could add another 5,000 seats, but in the long term, that's not what they want to do. But they basically said that there was a lot of... It was a it was a, it was a box-ticking exercise, and Goodison Park, in the long term, didn't tick those boxes. So forget about all the history that surrounds Goodison Park. Forget about people's ashes being put onto the pitch. Mm. Forget about all the... The, the the history that surrounds the club um, forget about all that it's all it's a box ticking exercise and at the moment a couple of things don't tick those boxes in 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 this in probably transportation retail and all the rest of it well <laughs> if you if you're a fan like us and you look at it from the outside and you see a third th- failed bid for a stadium move you just, it's a no brainer to yeah. us and you look at Anfield a, a ground now that you can see from from my seat certainly in the galaxies. I can see that new stand in, the, and you see the way Liverpool have basically in twenty years got themselves a, a a new ground, four new stands. They've got that, and you look at it as an Everton fan. Say if there was a plan in place over twenty years, I would happily stay here and watch Goodison Park be developed. Now I know there's a lot of complications. I know there's people's houses and I know there's um, a school and I know there's all these factors involved but those seem more legitimate to get over to me at the moment than building without any money that seems more, that seems more of a fairer thing to do That's it. If, it is, if it is a box ticking exercise you described it then it's it's all great saying we want a 50,000 seat stadium we want to regenerate North Liverpool it's going to be brilliant we're going to create jobs we're going to do this we're going to do that but it's fanciful, isn't it? It's it's totally fanciful at the moment. And if 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 I was looking at both propositions at the moment, and I look at what is the more feasible prospect for Everton in the future, it's going to be to redevelop Goodison Park. And you mentioned Liverpool there; they've been buying up that land around Anfield for years and years and years with, with a p- potential view to, to this sort of thing happening. And eventually, they've got themselves into a position where they've been able to build this new stand. And at the moment, it just seems as though it's it's kind of failed failed exercise after failed exercise. There's no longevity in in the mind when, when we're thinking about any of these proposals and it's going to get to a point soon where, where Goldstone Park isn't going to be fit for purpose and we're going to be in big trouble yeah definitely agree right we're going to come back to this we're going to have a quick break come back to this you are listening to the Blue Room don't go away this is the Blue Room one hour everything Everton Radio City Talk welcome back to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me Peter McPartland Matt Jones in the studio in the first part of the show we were talking about last night's general meeting we're going to continue that theme for a little bit then we'll move on to the Villa game um, talking about the stadium obviously uh, one of the things also 
was the questions last night. 41 questions by the Shareholders Association that were already there. There was no shocks, no surprises, no hands up in the crowd sort of thing. These are things that were already there. Um, Robert Elson said he was disappointed at first about some of the questions and then went on to say, actually, some of the questions were a disgrace. Mm. He, he mentioned Philip Green. Some of the questions about Philip Green. Um, I, to me, that I just I can't have that again. That's that to me again is just nonsense. Yeah. Uh, one thing that struck me last night: <laughs> who was there representing Everton and representing the board? Obviously, you know Bill Kenwright wasn't there. No, you know we all know why Bill wasn't there. Uh, John Woods was there, but the only other board member is is uh, Robert Hale. I mean, he's, he's got no interest in the club, absolutely no interest in the club. And well, he tells everybody he owns it. But he, he tells American yeah. Telly that he owns it. He's got no interest in the club, but so he wasn't there. So you've got John Woods, you've got Robert Elston doing the presentation, um, you've got Roberto Martinez, you know, I think there was someone else there. It just, it just it strikes me at the moment that... Robert Elson just is effectively running the whole club. Um, and he gets up and tells shareholders. So, not only fans, but shareholders. So, people who've got a vested interest um, that some of the questions were a disgrace. Now, why? Just answer them. Yeah. Just answer them honestly. And there's not a problem. There's no... It doesn't leave... What I've found in the last... In the last... Well, I can't even remember how long... But there's always this feeling with Everton... That it's an us and them situation. That's what I always feel as a fan. And this doesn't make things any better. It feels like, you know, there's not... I look at someone like Swansea, and I know they're owned differently. I know it's it's fan-owned. They've got 11 board members, and one of them is a fan representative. And that, to me, is lots of ideas... And so, and some of representing the fans as well. But there's there's loads of people creating ideas all the time or different perspectives. Us, there's a few men in a room, and that to me just is, that, that, is, is, is that, that yeah, yeah. Is we that, don't even know, do we? Yeah, and that to me just doesn't seem a creative thing. And when shareholders ask questions and they're being told that first of all they're disappointed and then they're a disgrace. How does that make the situation any better? I think it's quite it's quite distasteful, wasn't it, the way it was put and. I believe there were 41 questions on the list and only seven were answered outright. So if, and I, I'm not a shareholder, unfortunately, mm. but if I, I think it was 18 months before, first eight AGM and 18 months that the club had had, and if... if but there was one last year, and before that, it'd been, it'd been like, you know, it'd been a massive gap. So they've had two, two in, say, five years, AGMs, you know, and... People are putting the money into the club, the the, the owner parts of the club, and if they if they feel as though that the questions are there to be asked and and they, they want a, a proper answer from from the club, then that that that's their right. They should be entitled to an answer to those questions. I mean, it's, mm. it's just it just doesn't sit right with me at all. And, and you mentioned there about how it's always an, an us versus them sort of sort of scenario with the club, and there does seem to be a real lack of transparency between the, the board and, and the fans at the moment, and, and we had, the, we had the, the supporters trust lads on, didn't we, on, on the show earlier in the season, and they were saying how that's something that they're concerned about, and that's why they set up the, the, the supporters trust and feel as though it could be a medium between the, the, the board and, and the fans, and that, why, why can't we have a couple of fans that'll on the board? Cre- but that'll, but that, that'll create an air of paranoia with Everton. 
with the mm. with the board. Those lads creating that will will create an air of paranoia. But that that's that's really poor, isn't it? I mean, it it seems it if what with harm having two two fans on the board, like you well, mentioned, that's what there, the fans different for, ideas. That's what the fans forums for. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the fans phone us for. But that's overseen by that's that's the club's product, isn't it? You said it, not me, mate. Uh, that's that's no, you're absolutely right. It's that supposed to be independent, but it's not. It's uh, you know, it, it, and, and we, they, we, they just, just me- they just elect statues to be made. We, anyway. just, we just mentioned though that there's there's not many there's, there's not many people seemingly with, with any you know if if you want to run a company, the best thing to do is get loads of different ideas coming from all different places from. And, well, and, and we haven't got that. At the Something moment. I seen on Twitter last night was a few people saying they'd seen what had happened. They'd seen that that the, you know there'd been an instance Joe Anderson coming together. Some people saying, "Oh, we should call for a vote of no confidence in Robert Elston. Who'd sack Robert Elston? Who, who who's running Everton Football Club? There's, there's, what, there was there, mm-hmm. John Woods was there, and that was it. Would he sack? Would he sack Robert Elston? I don't think so. The way well, he, Robert Elston was basically on the stage for well, seventy-five well, percent of the time last night. So he, that tells you all, you all you need to know about who's who's pulling the strings at the moment. So yeah, it, it, it should have just been a very quiet night, and so, so now it's it's like everything. Makes you forget with, that we won on. Well, <laughs> we won't forget about that in a minute. Just a couple of more more things I wanted to mention um, on investments. Uh, Robert Elston has said. Um, there's been, there's never been more people out there looking, but then the but, and the but mm. was basically how many of them being successful. But that's that's quite a different tone because normally the Ever- Everton coming out of Everton, the noises are no one's buying clubs, so that's almost a, a mm. complete one eighty ten. So either they they can't sort of dismiss the fact that other clubs do get bought or their investments in it, or. You know, fingers crossed, somebody's looking at Everton and, and looking to maybe dip the toe in. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, there's been a lot of stories recently, haven't there, about the likes of Crystal Palace and Bournemouth maybe attracting investments. And, and this is the time. If, if you're looking to buy a football club now with the, all the money that's going to be coming in next year, the TV deal, the, the American TV deal, it's it's the perfect time to be buying a football team. And it would be so much easier for us to, to expedite that process if we had a, a plan in place for the stadium and, and a way for the, for the no, club why, to be why, in, in Why respect. do that when you can let someone buy it and then they have a plan for the stadium? <laughs> Well, it just, it just shows a bit of vision. That's the it? plan. No, but it, it just if if you if you're looking at some uh, a club and you're thinking they're they're yeah. forward thinking already, they're already going in the right direction. You're going to be more entitled to to, to looking and buying them. Matt, if you were selling your house, you'd paint it, mate. Exactly. That's all you need. That's all. That's all you need to know. Yeah. If you were selling your house, you'd paint it. If you were selling your car, you'd give it a good wash. <laughs> <laughs> um, it also also something that came out to the finances was um, the debt. The debt was down um, overall. But it's it's the interest rates that are killing us. Again, this mm. is a this is something that swings back, you know, a couple of, you know, the last couple of decades. It's mm. it's get we need to get those interest rates down. They, that's the thing that's killing killing us. Again, it's being locked into long term deals. Again, the same with the commercial side being locked into these long term deals. That again, it's it, it it's forward planning. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be any short termism, isn't it? It's yeah. The, the, the one which always resonates with me is is, is the is Finch Farm when Everton could have bought it outright for for eight million instead decided to. To take up a 99 year lease for for one million pound a year, so you know I'm not I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the, on the financial side of things, but it, again it, it does reek of a, of a short term plan and not a long term. Put one. it this way: if you're not making a profit because you didn't sell a player, then that to me is that's worrying. Yeah. That's always going to be worrying. Right, let's move on to happier times. Saturday afternoon, three o'clock at Goodison Park, 
as it should be. Um, a fantastic 4-0 victory for the Blues. And again, this could have been one of those games where you, 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 you worry a little bit about... A team like Villa, new manager bounce, coming off the back of a nil-nil draw against Man City at home, um, we destroyed them. To be honest, we, you know they mm. they set up with no striker, trying to keep Everton quiet for 90 minutes at home. And again, as I say, there's times gone by where they could have done that, but the quality that is in the side at the moment and the confidence running through so many of those young players, it's it, it, it's very exciting at the moment. Yeah, it was really really invigorating performance, and I've seen a lot of people on, in the aftermath on. On social media, saying, "Oh well, Villa were terrible. They, you know, they, they were awful. They, they, they've had a, a really poor season, which is which is correct. But if you think back to last last season and how teams like Hall and Swansea came to Goodison Park and really frustrated us, Stoke City beat us on Boxing Day, sitting deep. We couldn't break them down for, for long, long spells. And and this this was a performance like the Sunderland one, like the one against West Brom away, where this team have shown that that the much more." Much better equipped to, to overcome these sorts of challenges, and it's. I think the, the most, the thing that resonated with me most after the game was the the attack and patterns in our play, and I think that's probably got a lot to do with the, the extra time Martinez has got to work with the players yeah. in the week because we had the Europa League last season, mm-hmm. and I know we said it wasn't too much of an excuse, but that time to work with players like Barkley, Delafeu. Lukaku, Kone, and, and strike up those relationships, and even even like Sir Seamus Coleman on that right hand side. There were times when he'd dip inside and immediately see Delafeu. He knew where he had to be. He knew how to get on, on the right wing, isolating players, and just just those movements and those patterns were, were so sharp. And I think they were they really shone through in, in the first and fourth goals in particular, in, in the way that we moved the ball quickly through the middle of the pitch. Players' movements were it was almost telepathic in, in the passing and the movements, and it's. It's playing with freedom, but at the same time, there's, there's an attack and cohesion and it, it, about the team when they go forward as well. And the fact that you can repeat those cycles and you can re- you can repeat those those passages of play is, is going to bode really well. It's it's so exciting to watch at the moment. It really is, and you know, you, you, it's such enjoyable football to watch as well. And you know, you mentioned patterns of play there. It's it. You know, you, you go into a game like that, and I certainly didn't. You see the team, the way we set up, and you think, do we really need two holding midfielders about in this game? But then you watch how the game plays, and in, certainly in the last two home games, certainly in the second half, I would say, of the Sunderland game, the way Barry just sits in front of that back four now, almost at times, you know, just, just holds his position to let John Stones come out of the mm. back four. Um, McCarthy's, he seems to have got, his positional sense, right? I think recently or in the early part of the season, that wasn't there. And those two are just doing the job that they did a couple of seasons ago, where they're almost at times protecting, not protecting, sorry, covering the wingers. Or just, and, and that's allowing the four players in front, Kone, Ross Barkley, Delafeu, and Romelu Lukaku, to just, just do what they want. And what's been so noticeable in the last couple of games is the, the gap between Romelu Lukaku and the midfield is so much closer yeah. now. I mean, you you could think back to Saturday. You think about how many times Romelu Lukaku had to had his back to goal and had to control the ball and and, and looked for a layoff. It was, it might have been once or twice he had to do in, in the whole game because there's runners now. There's runners going past them all the time. Um, Ross, well, what, what I love is Ross Barkley's now. Um, getting more and more mature. It's game by game now. It's not even month by month. It's game by game. He's getting used to being an orthodox midfielder. Playing, he's, he's playing... He's not even playing that much different to what, to what he was last season at this time when he was playing a little bit on the left. But because... I think because of the two holding midfielders, he can 
go where he wants a little bit more and there's a little bit more freedom. Delafeu is pl- is really the creative player now. At times he's the number ten, at times he's a winger. I think that's freed Ross up the responsibility yeah. of Ross having to be the creator all the time. And Ross is just playing his natural game. And what I, I thought was great on Saturday was Ross Barkley scoring two tappings. You know when the goalies made a couple of saves, and that is what we've been crying out for for ages. That is the that's what you know. That's what Gary Speeds used to do, what <laughs> Don Hutchinson used to do, what Tim Cahill yeah. used to do. These are the these are the players that are so instrumental to winning games. You know, we've said it for so long about a, a, a midfielder going past the striker, and that's what what Ross was doing on on Saturday, and that was so refreshing to see because that that is something that we just don't see enough of. We see him get the ball and try and manoeuvre it and try and pick a, a, a team apart, and that I don't think that's his skill. That's that's what that's what Delafeu's got in his yeah. locker, and that just frees Ross up to be something else. Yeah, we we've spoken about how Delafeu's added areas to his game, and he's he's made improvements in his crossing and in his through balls, and I think that's something that that we've seen from from Barkley as well. And he's he's a young player who's got a, a malleable skill set. He's got areas which are really really encouraging, really raw, and really exciting. But he's starting to add other bits to his game as well. And I think we're talking about the Sunderland game a few a few weeks ago, and some people didn't really think he had the. That, that good a game but you look at the stats he had 100 passes in the match and, and that's showing the maturity that, yeah. that he's got he's willing to take the ball that's something he's not done before you mentioned there about the tappings he's not going to score 30 yard screamers every week but if you get in the box on those little those little uh, those little breakdowns in play those little scruffy scruffy Lampard goals Lampard made a career exactly, out of it yeah. and Kale made a career just, out of it just, just getting in there in those right areas is, uh, is, is going to add so much to his game and he, he seems to have realised that He's he's the player who needs to make this team tick. Now he gets the ball, he moves it quickly, and he's making decisive contributions. And you touched upon Delafeu there, and I I think he's he's been the key player really in this this, this turnaround in form. Well, not necessarily turnaround in form, but the, the the attack and play that we've got recently because he's he's someone who attracts other players mm-hmm. and. You know, at times against Aston Villa, I know Richardson was on his own against them, but you could see they were trying to double up yeah. on him. But he was starting inside, going on the outside, and that frees up space for Ross. It frees up space for Aruna Kone and for Lukaku as well. And and they're three players that we've got who are all so much better when they've got space to run into when they're isolating defenders and and they, and they can carry the ball forward. And, and that's something that's been so evident in our in our play. And I think that that first goal is I can imagine Martin as rubbing his hands together watching that because that that would have been his his perfect goal the way you want to see this team play passing out from the back sharp interchanges in the midfield and then getting the ball wide to Delafeu and that's the blueprint going forward now they, they, they've got to keep this up and if they continue to play with such patience and such penetration against the teams that we've we've got in the coming weeks like Bournemouth likes a Norwich away from home even someone like Crystal Palace they they looked vulnerable in their game last night then then we should be picking up a lot of points and scoring plenty more goals too. I think what's important as well, you know, you look at it and you think those four, they're just moving all the time. You know, Kone's got to take a lot of credit, um, especially in the home games. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure whether he should play um, a lot of the away games, but certainly at home because, you know, he, when, when, when Ron wants to drop in, Kone then will go and be the focal point and he, he, he can, he can play with his back to goal, he can kill a ball and, they all add something to the other person's game. Do you know what I mean? Delafeu yeah. opens the space up. Um, Barkley can can take advantage of that. Or Barkley can just be the link-up player. Um, Rom can drop in and, and just become a, a runner. And then and then 
as I say, Coney can yeah. can become the, the centre forward, a, a true centre forward. Uh, you know, when those four are playing like that, and those two are holding midfield, the full backs pu- pushing up. I mean, look at Seamus on Seamus Coleman. You know, getting an assist. We haven't seen him get to the mm-hmm. byline for a long time, so it's all working. And I know Villa were a poor side. They were a very poor side, and but you can only beat. What's in front of you? And as you said before, how many times have we struggled to break those teams down? You know, in the last few years, you know, it happened. You know, Sunderland. It looked like it was going to be the same with them. We put six past them. We put four past Villa, and and you know, we put four past Villa without really getting out of first gear in the second half. Yeah. And then we go and score that goal in the second half, which you know, straight down the middle, the backbone of this team. And you just think, you just think, if we can keep these players together. For the next couple of years, you know it's re- it's really exciting times. There'd be nothing worse than not winning something with this group of players because, you know, you look at John Stones at the back and you know there's talk of Barcelona and you know <laughs> looking at him and things like that, which is no shock to us oh, as no. Evertonians. We've known this for a long time. Um, but you look at him and you think what he adds. I mean, the first goal. He nutmegs Jack Gre- or there might have been the second goal. Sorry, he nutmegs Jack Grealish and starts the attack. You know. He starts the attack for the fourth goal. It's 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 fantastic. It's so exciting to see. And then the other players are adding to that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think we look more secure at the back with Foon's Moray because the balance. I mean, but it's not only the balance, it's his height as well. He's good in the air. You know, where we've criticised Tim Howard, he's in there now and he's making sure the ball doesn't get as far as Tim Howard. Mm. You know, he's got We've seen on on Saturday he's still got the odd little mistake in him, but that's that's understandable. He's a young lad in a new league, and these things are going to happen. But it is starting to all come together nicely, and you know, I, I just really hope that we can push on now, and um, this team actually matures together, and we manage to keep a core for at least a couple of years, and it and it leads us somewhere. Yeah, that, that's it. I think I've said throughout the season that while there's been a lot of games where we've shown glimpses of our potential and, and signs of real encouragement, that it, we haven't really fully clicked yet going forward. There wasn't there wasn't really a game where we were where all the attacking four players were were on in, in the same groove. They were they were flying forward and they were they were performing well as a unit and. At the Sunderland game, I think he stumbled on a balance now, which he likes, and it seems to work with with Coney on the left, LFAU on the right, and then and then Ross just just floating in around behind mm. Romelu Lukaku. So those players, it's going to be no surprise as they play more together, as as they get more used to each other, they're, they're gonna they're gonna score goals, you know. And we've seen that the last few weeks. And the, one thing that struck me as well is, that is the pace that we're moving the ball at yeah. the moment as well. And I've, I think I've seen Sid Lowe at the weekend saying yeah. on Twitter, he's, he's a writer for The Guardian, anyone who's not aware, he's saying he was watching the Everton game on, on Spanish TV at the weekend and he thought the highlights were on fast forward <laughs> at first. And so. he watches Barcelona exactly, yeah. every week. So, so that, that's, that says enough about the way we play at the moment and the, and the incision and the, and the ingenuity which the team's playing with. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, coming up in part three, will we... Talking about uh, this weekend's game against Bournemouth. We'll be right back. One hour, everything Everton. The Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Welcome back to the Blue Room with me, Peter McPartland, and Matt Jones for the final part of the show. Uh, we'll be talking about Bournemouth. But before that, Matt, me and you this time last year, we were going to Wolfsburg and I just thought I'd have a little look at the team to mm. see how much it changed. And this was the team that started against Wolfsburg last year. Howard, Hibbert, Jagielka, Distan, Garbett, McCarthy, who only lasted 31 minutes till Osman come on. Bessage, McGeady, Etu, 
Morales and Lukaku. <laughs> and we won 2 0. How did we win that game 2 0? Oh, I think we were saying before we came on, weren't we? Wolfsburg had about 40 odd shots in that game. <laughs> we, we broke away a couple of times and scored, but oh no, it was, it was a great trip, wasn't it? And I just don't. So, and I you just, look at the players they had as well. We're just saying De Bruyne, yeah. Perisic. You know, I just don't remember the though. team being that bad. Oh, you yeah. know, when you think about it, like Hibbert doesn't get a look in, this tank gone, Garbett's out on loan, McGeady. Osman very bit rarely gets a game, Bessic has hardly played this season, McGeady doesn't play, Etu's gone, Morales doesn't get a look in much either. You Even Etu came on for the last two? few minutes, oh, yeah. <laughs> Goodness That's me. unbelievable, that, and we went and won there. What a win. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Bournemouth this weekend. Um, I think this is a really important game. I know every game's important, but I think, you know, the feel-good factor that seems to be around the place at the moment, um, the run of games, you just think, if Everton can go there on Saturday, you know, flex the muscles a bit, get a decent win, um, it's, you know, going into December, that's, that would be a really positive thing, because you just think, if they stumble stumble at a place like Bournemouth, mm. then it sort of thinks, you start thinking, well, yeah, we're all right at home against poor sides, but, you know, I think this yeah. is key, go there, do a really professional job, get the three points, I think that's going to be massive for the next month. That's it, this is, this is such an important part of the season, and it was around this time, last season, when we were starting to look... Not too bad again, we seem to be finding our feet and then we went on that horrendous run before Christmas and around Christmas time when we conceded, well, I think, no, sorry, I think we lost five games in a row over Christmas and it's kind of been slowly deteriorating for a while. The performances have been quite poor. The players seem to be a little bit jaded because of the Europa League games and it, it derailed the whole season, really, and the second half of the campaign was essentially a non-entity. So, yeah, it's... It, I, I don't really want to say it, but on, on paper these look ideal opposition for us. The, the team that, despite the fact that um, you know they, they play attacking football, they, they press high, that they're, they're well organised, they've got good attacking patterns, like we mentioned in the first half. But they are really poor at the back. They're, they're, they're missing a few key players, and hopefully they'll give, they'll give us a lot of, lot of space to uh, exploit their frailties. But you know it's it's going to be tough. We're away from home. They've got a couple of excellent players in, mm-hmm. in Distan and Gosling, which you know we we know how that usually ends up. So, like you mentioned, that if we go there and we, we play with the same authority, the same composure that we have done in the last few games, then then we should have no issues. But hopefully complacency doesn't creep in. Yeah, you mentioned obviously they stand there and, and Dan Gosling who scored at the weekend against Swansea. Really good goal to be fair. Yeah, as well, it was yeah. a good finish. But you know, you, I, f- I feel for Bournemouth because you know they started the season quite well. Um, going, you know, obviously being West Ham and um, I think it was Wilson who got a hat trick, and then they've just been decimated by injuries. I and mean, when you just think, you know, a team like that just can't get as many injuries to so many key players, mm. and they're really bad injuries as well. You know, these knee injuries, the ACLs, and things like that, and. Um, you know, they've only had a couple of wins. I think the last time they won was the 19th of September against Sunderland. Yeah. So, you know, they've had a torrid run in the last few weeks, but they've continued playing good football. I mean, I've seen them against Newcastle and I've seen them against um, Southampton and they played really well both times. You just can't finish anything off. Obviously, at the weekend, they were 2-0 up against uh, Swansea and got, got it, pulled it back to 2-2, but um, they are a decent team. But I think the fact that they are a good side and they will want, want the ball and they don't really have that other side of their game. I think that 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 really helps us. And I think if we can go there 
and do what we've done in the last couple of home games where we just we show all our power and pace and, and the experience yeah. we're starting to gain as a team I, I, th- I just think we, we've got to get the three points yeah definitely I think they're in the relegation zone aren't they now after Sunderland's mm. win last night so they they're going to be up for it the pressure's going to be nearly on them and it's it's getting to a point now where maybe Eddie Howell will have to maybe amend some of his principles a little bit because they are on a really poor run they conceded a lot of goals and perhaps you'll look at Everton and think you know these have scored 13 13 goals or sorry 11 goals in the last three games they've got a lot of attack and firepower they might just tighten things up a little bit might just go with one up front try and sit in and, and hit us on the counter attack so it's going to be an interesting challenge it's I've I, I just looked at the defence in the last few weeks mm. and even in games like the one you mentioned there against uh, against Swansea at the weekend against Newcastle they've all, they always give you chances to score goals even if they are pushing forward they are keeping the ball well so that's going to be a big test for us but again it's whenever I have seen them they, they look they look a threat going forward until that final third so it's important we stay vigilant at the back John Stones and Funes Mori stay switched on all the time and that should give us a foot over to go and win it. Yeah, um, Richie looks a good player for yeah. them. He looks he looks a really good player and scoring some spectacular goals. I think it's going to be a different different game just because of the environment as well. It's a really small, compact mm. uh, ground. It almost almost makes it feel like it's a, a cup tie at times because it is so small. Uh, Everton, I think, have only got what 800, 900 tickets for yeah. it. I know there's been an absolute. I know Twitter's been awash with their... Uh, can you RT this for me for a ticket? <laughs> no, same with Middlesbrough next week. And I suppose that comes into it as well. You know, Bournemouth Saturday, Middlesbrough Tuesday. It's you know, will he keep the mm. same t- team? Will he look to change maybe one or two positions? Then he can change another couple of positions at Middlesbrough. I mean, I, personally, I would maybe look to uh, maybe drop Kone and and sh- shore up that left hand side a little bit more. Mm. Maybe you know. Uh, you look at you look at I don't know maybe just push Barkley into the Kone role and then bring another midfielder whether it be whether Tom Cleverley's fit um, I'm not sure, so sure but just bring another mid orthodox midfielder in there push Ross slightly further forward just so we're a little bit secure because against West Ham we looked at times very open on the left side mm. and side now I don't know whether Bournemouth will be uh, good enough to expose us there but you just think. With with having a couple of games in a couple of in three or four days, whether that might be something you'll look at. I, I, yeah, I'd agree with that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to inhibit us going forward in any way because I think at the moment, even though we mentioned how John Stones and um, Funes Mori are forming quite mm. a good part, partnership, there is a little bit of concern there at the back still as, as to how that's going to work. So I, I think we still need to preserve a, as, as much of an attack and threat as we have done in the last few games. And it might even be a good time to, to bring Morales back into the team at the expense of Kone because he came what, came out the weekend and it's the best he's looked for ages. He, he looked hungry. He was he had the right blend of, of aggression and and you know being being a calm player whereas at Swansea when he came on he was a bit like a lunatic really so he's keen obviously to, to make an impression so it might be a good time just to give him a chance on the left hand side Interesting though from the Bournemouth point of view they've gone to Swansea last week and had 57% of the possession mm. we don't you're not used to that with Swansea you're normally a team mm. that have plenty of possession so for a team like Bournemouth to go in at 57% they had 16 shots as well you know so they have still got something about them it's just that they just haven't sort of got the quality to finish it off so I still think we've got to be a little bit wary of them yeah definitely it's but if it's if it's going to be a, a slog fest if it's going to be you have a go we have a go then mm. I'd fancy us to you know we, we've got much better attacking players than them and 
the, def- the defence, as I mentioned before, is, is really leaky. The goalkeeper, I think they've got uh, really bad issues with uh, Artur Boric. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about that for a minute, sorry. sorry. So, I think Artur Boric and Federici yeah. have both been as bad as each other. So, if we, oh, we've, we've got to go then. I just think we've, we've got to attack and, and, and just keep that offensive momentum going from, from the last few games. Yeah, I think it's... It, we've got to get three points down there because, you know, as I say, if we win this... And then we go to Middlesbrough Tuesday night. We're absolutely flying. That's it, and, you know, yeah. We can get in, if we can get the win there. You know, confidence will be just be massive for that for that game. And we don't we don't play until the Monday the week yeah. after anyway against Crystal Palace. So they'll get a good rest after that Middlesbrough game. So I wouldn't change too much. Hopefully for both games, but I imagine in the cup he will ring the changes as he does. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that next week. Um, just a little taster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope uh, another three points keep us on course for the, the title. <laughs> I'm calling it now. This, We're only eight points off the top. This this league's wide open. I, th- I think I think I think still think we've got a chance. Buy a bottle of champagne just in case. 